My guest on this episode of the Leanne Wood podcast never envisaged himself as a campaigner on social care. Darren Jones has been a carer for around eight years for his father, who was diagnosed with dementia. He has to be on standby 24 hours a day, seven days a week, apart from a few hours that he's recently been allocated for a sitter. Being self-employed, Darren is used to being proactive and he's comfortable working with the system. His experience of helping his father to get the right care at the right time has proved a real battle and has turned him into a campaigner for everyone who needs care, especially those with dementia. Darren, I wonder if we could start with you telling me what a typical day looks like when you're a carer for someone with dementia. Yeah, so typical day, there isn't one. To be, even though there's there's various things you do throughout the day and they're repetitive. In terms of a typical day, there isn't to be totally truthful. And in terms of a day, uh, there isn't day and night anymore. It's just twenty four hours on repeat. For example, with my father, he he doesn't sleep sort of eight hours and is awake for sixteen. He may be awake for thirty six hours full on and then sleep for possibly twenty four. So in terms of my pattern as well, I'm all over the shop and up in the nights and I'm looking after him during the day. So um, just to give you an example for this this morning, he woke at, I don't know what it was, 11 o'clock-ish, soaking wet. He's wet himself in bed and then I get him out of bed and I'm starting to to dry him and then he soils himself. So that's all over the bedroom floor and that needs cleaning up. After we've cleaned him up, I take him downstairs. Obviously, he's in a bit of a mess. So then I've got to shower him, which is a bit of a battle because he's still half asleep. So I'm almost in the shower with him. You know, doing all the washing and, and cleaning, wipe him, dress him, get him into the kitchen, sit him down, make his breakfast. Food needs to be cut into bite-sized pieces because he can't distinguish between knife and fork or a spoon anymore. Sometimes he can feed himself. Sometimes he can't. If he doesn't, I need to feed him. Other times, if he thinks he can feed himself, he might use a fork or a spoon or his hands. Food on the floor, food over him. He needs to be cleaned up afterwards again. Floor cleaned. And then I may take him in into his into his armchair where he, uh, he'll sit down. Sometimes if he's tired and doors off. Other times, he can be like a, like a, a baby, absolutely into everything. And I mean into everything and it's like he's walking around dad come back down you're going to break it leave that alone what you're doing now and it goes on and on and on crazy things like i don't know give him a cup of tea turn your back to put the milk in the fridge and he's gone he's in the hall and he's tipping the cup of tea through the letterbox in the front door completely off the wall you really don't know what's what's happening next if he's active and you're sitting with him you're on duty it can be four hours follow him around right behind him because obviously he's frail there's a chance he might fall you don't know what he's going to get himself into he turns a tap on puts a plug in almost flooded the bathroom <laughs> all their stories stories are endless really but again everybody's different there's certain traits within dementia that people follow but they're all off they're on their own tangents depending what they've you know done in earlier in their life i suppose really I mean, to give you a couple of examples again of he was very active up until the time he was 75. He's now 86 and he was beginning to DIY, that sort of thing. So he always thinks he's mending something. But in fact, he's, you know, he's smashing it up. Really, He's, he's broken door locks or windowsills, pulled the shower door off, taps. The list is endless. It's just, it just goes on and on. Would you say the main difference between general older people's care and caring for someone with dementia is this unpredictability? You just don't know what could happen next. 
Yeah, it is that, I suppose. I mean, there's if, if they haven't got dementia, there's a case of the frail, weak, and it's just general age-related things. But with dementia, it's, you know, it's unpredictability, really. You, you don't know what they're going to be doing next. My dad now can't communicate to that degree. We talk in on a good day, one word, and that's about it. So he doesn't speak. He doesn't understand television. Bizarrely, he can read the odd word, which is <laughs> it's incredible, really. You know, so you can give him a newspaper and he'll, he'll sort of read the headline, which is amazing, but yep, can't put two words together. It really is inexplicable. The only way I can describe it, I've always felt if somebody said, oh, so-and-so, they've got dementia, to me, I've always oh, that must be awful, you know, really bad. But until it happens to you and you get involved with it, you you will never understand, really, the little things that you, you don't realise that you need to do that you that you have to do, you know. When did you first ask someone for help, Darren, with all of this? I got, first got in touch with social services in the summer of 2021. That was the first request. Because really, I should explain, take a, a step back. He was diagnosed in February 2017. I didn't realise how the disease was going to progress. And I thought, well, I'll just get on with it. Because at the time, he was nowhere near like he is now. You know, you have no idea, really. You always think this is as bad as it gets. And perhaps a failing with the system as well. It was like, right, your dad's got dementia. We'll see you in a year's time. So there was no explanation of that degree that I recall, you know. No, or nobody pressed me on saying, really, you really need to look at this. I understand you're in a bit of a shock. You're, you're just, dad's going to be diagnosed and it's going to have, you know, life-changing effects. So you should really look at this. But from what I can recall, there was, there was nothing really at all. Nobody told us to get in touch with social services or, you know, you need to look at claiming this or doing that. It was nothing. And and of course, we had the, the problem being then is that the, the dementia doctor covering our area was, he left and there was no replacement for a number of years. So I think a lot of people probably fell through the system at that point as well. And when I say fell through the system, they weren't looked after as well as they could have been then if there was somebody in place. And then, of course, you had the knock on effect of COVID. And the other problem, of course, is the is the number of different agencies. We have no idea. You get a phone call off someone and we are calling from so-and-so. Well, who are you? You know, they're not interlinked. They all work well, independently to a degree. So you've you've no idea who, who people are. You know, you need to call us on this number or call them on that number. It's a bit, a bit confusing initially, yeah. How are people meant to get an understanding of what the local council or what the different voluntary bodies are meant to be providing and what people are entitled to? I mean, how do people find out this information? I presume you went and found out and researched yourself. Is that what you've got to do? Yeah, well, that's what I did, yeah. Online, different websites. But it was it was social services. It's, it's word of mouth, actually, as well, because once my dad was diagnosed with dementia, he'd be talking to somebody, a friend, a distant relative even, or oh, my so-and-so like that, or... My auntie, or he's got that now you know you need to get in you need to do this or you need to do that so a lot of it was word of mouth for example attendance allowance i never knew that was something my father could claim and he was five years after he's diagnosed a friend said you should be claiming attendance allowance for your father and you can't it doesn't go back it only goes from the time you claim so we lost about four or five years of attendance allowance for example which would have been a massive help because bed wet and i changed his uh, pads and the pads on the bed a couple of times a night laundry, wash machines on three times a day, every day, all that sort of stuff. It absolutely cost a fortune, you know. So it would have been a, a massive help. So that's one thing people need to do. Once they've got a relative or anybody knows diagnosed with dementia, make sure you claim attendance allowance because that'll be a help with everything, that, the cost really of the extra cost of, of caring for someone. That's a good piece of advice to give to people. Is there anything else that you can suggest that people should do if they're in this position of feeling alone with it all? 
Well, get in touch with thing then as well as to get in touch with social services because they then will, the local council obviously, they'll come out, they'll assess the situation and then if they feel there's a need for some sort of care package, uh, you need to fill out some forms which can be quite taxing to be honest, but that's for the financial assessment because people need to make some sort of financial um Depend, but depending on their income, they might have to make some sort of contribution to the care package. But that'll be the first thing that will do. The, the social services come out and then you fill out the forms and they'll, they'll assess things from there. If they deem that you need some sort of care package, they'll put that together. That then goes to the council, um, to, to a panel, I should say. I'm not quite sure who's on the panel. That's all everybody ever mentions. Oh, it's got to go to the panel. Once it goes to the panel, they then decide how much care the council will will give to you. For example, going back, it would have been summer of last year, my dad was ordered 16 hours a week of care, which considering he needed 24-7 support on a percentage basis, he only has 10% of that, of his what he needs covered, supposed to be. They then granted that, but they couldn't find any care at all. There just wasn't the care as to help, so there was zero support. So there is a, a massive shortage of staff within the system as well. Yeah, huge, huge amount. Yeah, yeah. Just can't get a carers, you know, care home spaces, which was another thing I wanted to speak about, really, you know, because we can't get any any respite care. But for example, we've been told by sitters, who I know, they you know sitters are people who, for me as a carer, they give me a break. Well, I've been allowed six hours a week. So there's two, three hour sessions a week where they just sit with my father so I can go shopping or, or do whatever I need to do. And they've told told me that certain care homes locally, only, only half the beds are filled, a 20 bed care home, and they're only using 10 of the beds because there's not enough staff to staff the other 10 beds. So there's 10 beds there being wasted, really, which, you know, could be offering care to people who, who can't cope. This is obviously having a knock-on effect to the wider health services then, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, I've been told by staff that I'm not quite sure how, how true this is. But in one report they saw, 40% of A&E cases were due to elderly and infirm people falling, falling ill. Whether If they had the care at home or some sort of care package, they wouldn't have fallen in the first instance. So they're clogging up A&E. Somebody else has told me, and this is factual, his mother was in hospital just to show the knock-on effect of the health service with an illness, nothing to do with dementia, but she needed a care package. She was fit enough to be discharged from hospital, but needed a care package to go home. And they've told her, the earliest they can get a care package in place is three months. So she'd have to stay in a hospital three months, clogging up a bed while they get the care package in place because there was no no carers. It's not necessarily more care homes or more care beds we need. It's more care staff, really, then. Initially, yes. Yeah, they just can't get the staff. Yeah. These people, are, you know, they do an amazing job. Incredible. And when you think they're on minimum wage, zero hour contracts for the work they do, I, I do it because I'm forced into it, sort of unconditional. It's, it's my father. But they, you know, they choose to do this work. And it must be one of the hardest jobs on the planet. And, you know, they get peanuts for it, really. You know, they're just not valued enough. So the, the case is very strong for more investment in care home staff and health staff in general. But who do you think should pay? Well, take a step back. In terms of dementia, I think as far as I'm aware, it's the only illness, and it is an illness because it's a problem with the brain, that isn't covered by the NHS. It seems absolutely madness that people have got to pay for that when everything else is free. So first things first, then dementia should come under the NHS. And I think everything should be part of the whole system. It just should be one system. It's too fragmented. It's so frustrating to have to deal with it all, you know. 
People fall through the gaps, don't they? Where when service tries to push it on to social services yeah. and vice versa, and then people end up with no support and care at all. That's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be organised, yeah. I mean, I've, again, you, you talk to carers and there's people with cancer, you know, elderly, who are living alone 24-7 in a bed at home. We don't treat animals like that, really. And the number of people they go to are just living alone, just in bed 24-7 with one dementia, two cancer, all sorts of things. It's horrible. It's frightening. But what really has wound me up with all this dementia, it hasn't come around the corner. We've known this has been coming for years. And in our instance, it's the, it's the Welsh Government have really had their head in the sand about this. They've done nothing about it, as far as I can see. It is getting worse, you know, not better. So what is your message to those working in the system as carers and health professionals? And what is your message to the Welsh Government ministers who are responsible for the health and care system in this country? First of all, to the people working in the system, thanks for your efforts because they're working under incredibly difficult conditions. Amazing people, nearly all of them. I, I can't think of anybody who I, would, who I could possibly criticise. They're all, they're all doing their best. So thanks to them, uh, keep going because we need you. But to the Welsh Government, because you were running the health services and social care services in Wales, is get your head out of the sand and start looking after the people of Wales. They really need to do that because they haven't been. They've just fallen asleep at the wheel, as far as I can see, with particularly with dementia care. It's absolutely shocking, really scandalous. Again, another bit of research from Dementia Research UK. One in three people born today, if the rates continue as they are, will develop dementia. And one in three, think think about that. There's a lot of families with two parents and one child. One of those are going to develop dementia. So it's the country will come to a standstill, really will. It's in all of our interests to sort this out, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And so what does a good care system look like to you, Darren, as a carer? It starts off with prevention for me, rather than the cure. We've had day centres closing where, uh, again, stories of one old lady uh, who went to a a day centre, the only place she went for a cup of tea, a chat, that was closing. She was in tears because she said, where am I going to go now? I'll be at home on my own. Now, where does that lead? The mental health issues. There's all sorts of things. So it's, it's prevention before before cure, really. That's what we need to do. But it's a, it's an integrated system, you know, a system where, where people don't have to pay, really, because there's a, again, there's a worry in terms of people paying for, for their social care. They might lose their house you know, to pay for that care. I was told, the, uh, again, by somebody working in the system, the minimum rate for care is £1,200 a week. So you imagine somebody who has to, was just over the, I think it's a £23,000 limit, you know, savings or possessions. If they've got to pay, they're going to lose their house within, within a year, less than a year, probably. And that's going to make people more anxious. Oh, yeah, the, the anxiety, yeah, yeah. It's enough on your plate to, to be dealing with what you have to deal with without everything else within the um, within the system, Yeah. So it's possible to create a good system. It's just a matter of political will and financing it, basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, they just need to pull together. And it's all about priorities, really. When I look back, you, you see that £350 million on the side of the bus with Brexit. Where's that money gone? You see the track and trace from the London government. That was a complete failure, cost millions. You've got the, the failed PPE contracts, millions, on all wasted, which could have been spent on, on care. And it's, uh, it's, again, scandal. London, Cardiff, you name it. They just need to get it act together and sort it out. Can I just say one more thing, though, Jan? Just for the people who are caring, really, never give in. And don't look too far into the future. 
just take as time goes on. I always used to take, say it was one day at a time. Now it's one hour at a time. Just take it as it comes. Don't worry. Just go with the flow. It'll all work out in the end. And keep smiling. Oh, Darren, thank you ever so much for turning what is a, a bleak situation into a little glimmer of hope. Diolch and for your contribution. Diolch I'd like to say Diolch to those who have helped me with this project. Diolch to the team at Audacity, the open source audio editing software used to make this podcast. Diolch to Nick James for the artwork. Diolch to Llewyn Stefan, the creator of the music. And finally, Diolch to all the podcast supporting subscribers. I'm grateful to all of you. I'm looking for support to continue to make these podcasts. You can become a supporting subscriber by checking out my Patreon page. You have been listening to the Liam Wood podcast.